is going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Big Show Pod. And it is brought to you today by the two of us, me and Mr. Alex Day. Alex, this is, uh, listen, this is post-draft episode. We're going to get deep into the draft in this one, people. We're going to just let you know that right off the rip. So if you're not interested in where your favorite Big Ten players went and things like that, maybe this isn't the podcast episode for you, but we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about best landing spots, worst landing spots. We're just going to dive into the draft. Hey, listen, these kids play college and then they go and play in the NFL and we still like to keep track of how they do. So, um, Alex, what say you? Are you excited for this episode? What are you looking forward to the most? Uh, I love the NFL draft. It's got to be the best non-game sporting event of the year. Yeah. Oh, 100%. 100%. The only thing about this year's draft is, and it's probably just because I'm getting old, the first round takes way too long. Way too long. Way Way too long. long. There was actually, there was one fewer pick this year because the Dolphins didn't pick and it still went from eight o'clock to midnight. Yeah. Four hours for 31 picks is just absolute insanity. None of us want all of the, the thrills and whatever the, you could cut out an hour. You could easily cut a full hour out and be fine. Exactly. So my only gripe with the draft is that it takes forever at least the we're first getting round. old buddy we're getting old we are getting old but i love the nfl draft i love seeing where these guys go i am more of a college football guy than an nfl guy so my draw to the nfl is knowing these guys in college and seeing where they go and wanting to root for them at the next level so i freaking love the draft and i love seeing where these guys go and 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 how they uh how they pan out and listen here folks we're not just going to talk about the first round okay Like, I think as far as this year's draft goes, day two is going to be much more important than what happened on day one. I mean, you're going to have some stars. You're going to have some really, really incredible players from round one. That's not at all what I'm saying. But rosters are built from the second round on in the NFL. That is where your roster is built. If you are not, you can be great at drafting in the first round. And if you are not a good two through seven drafting team, you are not going to succeed. So we are definitely going to get into more some, you know, in-depth guys, even some undrafted free agents as well. So actually, Alex, I want to start there. Who was your favorite undrafted free agent signing from the Big Ten? That is my question for you. <laughs> All right, you're gonna have to give me a little refresher. Okay, yeah, no, that's that's totally fine. And 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 listen, I uh, know about Mo, and that's the end so of the I, list. I'm just gonna then you know what? I'm just gonna take the reins on this because I think that Mo Ibrahim getting picked up by the Detroit Lions, who already have a stacked running back room, absolutely phenomenal landing spot for him, and, and he doesn't. He doesn't even have to make the roster in order to bolster his career into because I am convinced that if he doesn't make the roster for the Lions, he is going to get a job with a different team. He's a bruiser. 
He falls forward on every single run. And I honestly think that what the Lions just went and got themselves was an unrefined version of what they had in Jamal Williams last year. And they just went out and got him as an undrafted free agent. If they would have taken him in the fourth or fifth round, even after taking uh, Gibbs with their first pick, which that's a different story for a different day. But if they were to take him in the fourth or fifth round, I would not have batted an eyelash at that. So for them to go out and get him as an undrafted free agent, a guy who could go out there and get them all of those same one-yard touchdown rushes that Jamal Williams gave them last season, I, I, I mean, I think it's an absolutely phenomenal fit because I'm not looking at it as, oh, well, he's third man on the depth chart. I'm looking at it as who is going to be that guy for the Lions to put the ball in the end zone when you get in those fourth and one, you know, third and goal from the one type situations. And he can absolutely fulfill that role. So I don't have an undrafted free agent guy, but I have a, I have a last day guy, a five, okay. six and seven guy. Love it. That That's okay. That's the, that's the whole is the entire focus of what I was trying to get out of you. So go ahead. I love okay. it. Okay. So my favorite last day pick is Evan Hall, the running back from Northwestern got uh, went to Indianapolis in the fifth round. And I love this for so many reasons. One, Evan Hall was super productive in college and he was a little bit hidden because he was at Northwestern. And the thing that makes Evan Hall special and that's going to make him special at the next level is his ability to catch the ball. Like he's a very productive receiver out of the backfield. And in Indianapolis, they obviously have Jonathan Taylor, who's going to handle a bulk of the carries on the ground. So they need somebody who's a change of pace because Jonathan Taylor can catch the football, but he's not going to do that a majority of the time. Coming off an injury as well, and he's got a little less tread on the tires now. I think this is this is really this is spot on for you. And, really Z- like and Zach Moss is currently on Indy's roster, but he's going to be a free agent in 2024. So Evan Hull gets one year to try to cement himself as being able to take on that role. And then once Zach Moss is gone, it could potentially be Evan Hull's job, that RB2, that pass catcher. So I think yeah. it's a phenomenal landing spot. He's going to a place with a great offensive line and an already cemented RB1. So there's no pressure to do too much. Just do what you're good at and, and be the change of pace guy. And listen, we, we can't bring that up, that fifth round running back pick, without also bringing up Chase Brown. I mean, you could argue the most productive running back in the Big Ten last season. You could argue, argue he was the best running back in the Big Ten last season maybe only behind Blake Blake Corum with what he was able to accomplish. But, I mean, Chase Brown was a st- – he was a Heisman candidate. He was, Late yeah. into the season. So, I mean, you're talking about a guy with a tremendous amount of talent. He's going to a team that already has a plethora of talent in the Cincinnati Bengals. And Joe Mixon is not getting any younger. And, and he might not be there for much I, longer. Right. Exactly. And I think in today's NFL, you can absolutely draft a guy in the fourth, fifth, sixth round that's a running back, and they can become your starter. 
It has happened, people. I want you to go ahead and look up the 32 starting running backs in the NFL and tell me how many guys on that list were drafted in the third round or later. Lots of them. So yeah. I, I it, it is it is a it is really an area of talent that you can definitely pick up later on in in the draft. And I think that's why we just focused on three different running backs right there because you can get absolutely tremendous value. And if it doesn't work out, okay, I, I spent a, you know, fifth round pick on it or whatever, but the upside is huge. Exactly. All right. So you want to go, you want to start talking about the higher profile guys now? Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. Okay. So let's do a little bit of high level and then we can get into our favorite fit and our worst fit guys. So high level, obviously you've got CJ Stroud. He's the first big 10 player off the board at number two, which the the Texans must've listened to our last episode because they didn't let him slip. They didn't pay attention to the stupid S2 test. They just went and got a dude who can sling the football. Okay. So CJ Stroud goes to two. Uh, Expectations are high, but relative because he's in Houston. So it's going to take a bit, but he goes to two. Uh, a pair of offensive tackles go in the top 11, Paris Johnson to Arizona, Skaronsky to Tennessee. Isn't it crazy that we've already brought up two Northwestern players being drafted into the NFL? And they, <laughs> which, is, which is why we've had conversations. I don't know if we've had them on the podcast yet, but we have had conversations about how Northwestern could be significantly worse next year. Because oh, they have yeah. a ton of high-end talent that left. Yeah. And I'm looking at this list. I'm looking at Iowa, too, had three yeah. players drafted in the top 34. Yeah. Luke Van Jack Campbell, and Sam Laporta. That shows you what happens when you do not have a quarterback to play for your team. 100%. Or an offensive, or an offensive coordinator to call plays. 100%. Jackson Smith and Jigba goes to Seattle. Uh, Michigan, I think, had the most draft picks in the conference, just one more than Ohio State. Yeah, and, they had nine, and Ohio State had eight. Yeah, and then as a conference, the Big Ten came in slightly behind the SEC. But those high-level, those are the, the highlight first-round guys that got taken, some highlight teams. Um, a couple more Ohio State offensive linemen went on day two, and um, – Sean Clifford from Penn State went in round five to the Packers. Cam Mitchell, another Northwestern guy, went on uh, in round five to the Cleveland Browns. God, they had another Northwestern player got drafted in the fourth round. How they won one game is just ridiculous. That's un- insane. But yeah, so high level, that's what we got. Uh, do you want to do you want to go ahead and go first? Then I may have I may have already mentioned the guy that you want to take as your as your best fit. But yeah, no, you you talked about a bunch of people, so it's it's totally okay. I, I just I I look across this board, and you know you you can go deeper into the draft, and I have guys you know that we've already kind of discussed deeper into the draft that I really like the fit. Um, but as far as high end talent goes in this draft. Uh, my my favorite fit is Jackson Smith and Jigba getting drafted to Seattle. I mean, really, really good situation. I understand that a lot of people are going to say 
Yeah, but what about the quarterback play? Say whatever you want. Geno Smith played very, very well last season. I mean, like, if you would have just showed his stats at the end of the year and not told anybody that Russell Wilson left Seattle, they'd be like, oh, yeah, that's Russell Wilson. 100%. Took that team to the playoff. I believe their over-under win total for the season to go into the year was five and a half. Took them to the playoffs, went nine and eight. Um, So I'm not really concerned when it comes to that. And they already have a huge amount of offensive talent on that team. I mean, you're talking about Kenneth Walker. You've got DK Metcalf. You've got Tyler Lockett. I mean, and Jackson Smith and Jigba just gets to go in there no pressure whatsoever. I understand he's a first-round pick, so that comes with its own level of pressure. But I need my, I mean no level of pressure in the sense that you are not going to be asked to be the guy year one. Um, you know, you're not going to have that. that uh, oh, of course, his name is going to escape me. Joe Burrow's number one guy, Jamar Chase. Yeah, and, and you're not going to be asked to be that. So I, I just think, I think Jackson Smith and Jigba going to Seattle, my favorite fit as far as the high-end talent goes in this draft. Really, really like it. Also, honorable mention for me, hope I'm not stealing yours, but Paris Johnson Jr. from Ohio State getting drafted to Arizona. (laughs) Them and the Atlanta Falcons need more offensive line help than anyone else in the league. So that's a great fit just because... You desperately need to protect Kyler Murray. Oh my lord! Yeah, that was a that was a big that's a big need that he's going to be able to fill in right away. Oh, he's going to be asked to do everything easily on a bad football team. Yeah, uh, good stuff. I like JSN a lot. My explanation for my pick is probably going to sound a lot like yours because I'm going with Chuck Sizzle. Charlie Jones, star wide receiver from originally Iowa, then Purdue. The Bengals took him in the fourth round. And the storyline's the same as JSN, just the high-end draft capital's not there. So the pressure is even lower. But you're going to a team with an outstanding quarterback. I mean, he's he's a, he's your franchise guy. He's a top five quarterback in the league, you could argue. You're going to a team that has like you said, a solid one in Jamar Chase, a solid two in T. Higgins, and then they've got good threes. But you could argue that based on situation and and based on down and distance and what they need, that Charlie Jones could sit in there at the three. Like Charlie Jones, I was shocked that he lasted until day four because his ability to understand a zone defense, find open space, sit there, have reliable hands, and then do whatever he can yards after the catch-wise. Yeah. I was shocked that he was still there. And just to get in a word here to further your point, I mean, look at what he did against the best secondary that he faced all season against Michigan. I I mean, he was the only person who performed for them in that game. I mean, Aiden O'Connell also had a decent game as well. Yeah. But, I mean, he was their offense. He Every single play when Michigan was – running zone coverages or running even combo schemes, man zone combos and things like that. He still was finding the right place to get to. I mean, 
me and Corey were at that game and we were like, dude, like if we could just stop him, that would be so great. And, and you knew where it was going every time. You knew where the ball was going and it just didn't matter. And those are the guys where it's like, and not to say that these are the, the same type of players, please don't think that that's what I'm saying. But you start getting into the Jackson Smith and Jigba's and the Marvin Harrison Juniors of the world. And you're just like, when the ball goes to them, it just gets caught. And really, really like that take from you because, I mean, he's going to a place with an elite quarterback. Yes. And Charlie Jones is a quarterback's best friend. He's going to make Joe Burrow's job even easier. Like he's going to make it that much simpler. Third and short, third, third and four or shorter with the Bengals. Like they were already unstoppable. Like, forget it, forget it. Because yeah. if the option isn't open down the seam, or with the you know the skinny po- like the post route or whatever, then he's just gonna have he's gonna have zone reads all the time on third and short. Yeah, he's gonna go out there run a six yard route or something like that. Yeah, and he's gonna be able to choose what direction by reading the defense. And he's very he, – it's a great pick. It's a great pick. What can I say? It's yeah. a great pick. Uh, if I had to give my honorable mention, it would be Luke Schoonmaker, the tight end for Michigan going to the Dallas Cowboys. A lot more draft capital than I expected. They drafted him in the second round. Mm-hmm. But he's going to a team that he doesn't need to be Travis Kelsey. Like he doesn't need to be a – sole pass catching tight end like he's going to be asked to run block as well and it's perfect coming from Michigan because he did a lot of both he did a lot of both primarily run blocking to be honest at Michigan and then they did a lot of those like delayed tight end routes where they fake the block and then he kind of releases off the line of scrimmage yeah and Dak Prescott loves throwing to tight ends Dalton Schultz is not there anymore so the opportunity is there for him to get a lot of playing time and he can do a little bit of everything, which is what the Cowboys are going to ask him to do. So I like Luke Maker. My biggest concern with that pick is, and I'm going to disagree with you a little bit here. My biggest concern is what you said, exactly what you brought up, the value. I think taking him in the second round, I, I would have loved this pick if they would have got him mid to late third. I would have loved the pick. But with it being a second round pick, uh, I just, if you would have told me before the draft started that Luke Scootmaker was going in the second round, I would have been like, no, he's not. <laughs> I, that, I mean, straight up, that's what I would have told you, you know? So I agree. I, I just, I do love the fit. I very, very much love the fit, the team that he's going to, the need that he is going to fulfill there with really good weapons around him, good quarterback play. But I, I I don't love the value of it as far as the draft goes. So fit, yes, I agree. The fit is an A for me. But the value falls down to somewhere in the range of a C minus. Yep. Yeah. I I would agree. I I would agree with you. He'll have every chance to prove himself, though. Oh, hundred percent. Himself. He's gonna he's gonna be a day one starter. Yep. I mean, he he's gonna be he's going to be their starting pass catching tight end. He's gonna be their starter starting tight end. Yeah. All right, so who's who are the guys one one or two that stood out to you as like this doesn't seem like a good fit for this guy? Yeah, so I, I 
I don't know if the team is necessarily not a great fit. That is TBD. But I, I just, I really can't wrap my brain around Mozzie Smith going in the first round to the Cowboys. I love Mozzie Smith. He played great for my Wolverines. I was, I mean, absolutely elated for him that he got picked in the first round. I, I was super happy for him. Um, but as far as value, I think Mozzie Smith would have been a steal mid to late second round. Like that would have been a really good place for him to go. Or I'm sorry, I think he would have been a steal in the early third. And I think he would have been really good value mid to late second. I I think I think it was a, a pretty big reach for the Cowboys. Now listen, can he be a day one starter? Yeah, he absolutely can. He has the size. But I know the run stuffing ability is there for him. The pass rush. Mozzie Smith, we we know he ain't a guy who got home a ton on passing downs. And, and the NFL is a passing league. Um, so it, it's it's real tough for me to see that and and think to myself honestly that 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 that's good value because I just I don't really feel that way. And then I do not want people to take this as, oh, I think this player is bad. I think that if you're going to draft a corner in the top five of, of the draft, they have to be Sauce Gardner, Deion Sanders, or, I, I mean, take your pick of, like, Jalen Ramsey. Like, that is so, so if Devin Witherspoon is that, great, great pick, absolutely phenomenal pick. No one's ever, nobody is ever going to look back and, and say, I can't believe the Jets took Sauce Gardner there. Right. What a terrible pick. Like, no one's ever going to say that because he just won rookie of the year and he's a, a top three corner in the league and he's a rookie. Yeah. <laughs> so nobody's ever got, but I just, I really struggle with a corner getting taken that high unless they are absolutely elite. And I love Devin Witherspoon. If somebody would have gotten him at 15. Right. Awesome. Great pick. But five is just, it's, it's a tough pill for me to swallow. When you show me a corner getting taken in the top five, Devin Witherspoon, please go prove me wrong, please. Because even if you are a, a top, if he becomes a top 15, 16 corner in the league, which is a really, really, really good player. It is not worth a fifth round, a fifth overall pick in the draft. It's yes. just not. So, I kind of struggle with that one as well. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you. the The corners up high in the draft they seem to really be they're either all in or they're busts. Like there is no in between. Look at a Jeff Okuda. Oh, please don't make me. <laughs> please, please don't make me do it. I'll let you run routes on them. Uh, all right. So my my bad fit, and I'm not trying to be a hater, and it's not even because I don't like this dude as a player, right? Same same as you with Devin Witherspoon. But Sam Laporta goes to the Detroit Lions with the 34th overall pick, second rounder. Now, 
in in one sense, it's a good fit, right? TJ Hawkinson is out. He's going to come in and he's going to play right away, similar similar to Schoonmaker. He's going to be the guy at tight end right away. And they have Amon Ross St. Brown at wide receiver. They have other weapons, so not all the pressure is on him. But this is what I worry about. I think the I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on him, and there's going to be a lot of comparison for two reasons. One, the Lions do this with tight ends. You know, they select Eric Ebron in the top ten, and he's an absolute. But this bust. was but this was a second round pick. It was, but he's still going to be compared to tight ends of the past because they keep recycling through high draft, high draft value guys. Like Eric Ebron was top 10 and he was an absolute bust and now he's not even in the league. TJ Hawkinson was a top 10. He wasn't a bust, but now he traded away. He was traded away. Now he's off the team. So you're already going to be compared to Hawk and Ebron. And now you're also going to be compared to this tight end draft class. Guys like Dalton Kincaid, right? A guy that was a Michael Mayer who a lot of people had graded higher than Sam Laporta. And got drafted the pick after the Lions took him to the Raiders. Yeah, so I, I mean, I'll agree with you that that is definitely going to be a big comparison. But I, I, I just, I just think that the value is good in the sense that they got him where they did. Like I think Sam Laporta is much better and more NFL ready than Luke Scudamaker, and they went in the same round. I agree with you. Again, I'm not saying he's I'm not saying he's not a good player and the opportunity for him to prove himself is going to be there, but there's a lot of comparison that if he doesn't hit and hit like very very hard, it's going to feel like a bust to the fans of Detroit and it's going to keep unwanted pressure on him. Cuz what if what think about this. What if Michael Mayer ends up being like a Darren Waller or a Dallas Goddard, or a Mark Andrews, right? And Sam Laporta could end up being a really solid tight end. Like, he could end up being a TJ Hawkinson-like. But if he's not at the level... I think if you got TJ Hawkinson in the second round and he performed the way he did, you'd be very happy with it. So, I I think... What if it's a Dawson Knox, right? What if you got a Dawson Knox who's a really good tight end, right? There's nothing wrong with him, but he's not Mark Andrews. He's not George Kittle. No, and those I, guys get drafted back to just, back like that's right, a tough situation. I think, I think where the argument, and I, I, I want to keep going on this because I think where the argument breaks down for you is the fact that they didn't, they didn't take him in the top ten, they didn't take him in the top twenty, they didn't even take him in the first round. They took him in the second round of the draft, and so the the expectations in, and I know this. I've been a, I've been an NFL fan for a very, very long time. Once you go from pick 32, or in this case, this year, 31, because Miami is a bunch of cheaters. As soon as you go from pick 32 to 33, the expectations drop immensely. And you also lose the fifth-year option on those players. So it is a huge, huge step down in financial commitment, time commitment, all of those things to the players that you draft in the second round. That's why there's that uh, level of separation in we do all the first first round 
in this massive pageantry of one night, you only get one round, and then you get day two of the draft, and it's like rounds two and three, you know, because there is that it, it, there is that immense pressure for the players who get drafted in the first round because there's a major fi- financial commitment under a salary cap, you know, league. And then there's also a major time commitment to that player. You are committing yourself to that player for four years, and then there's a fifth-year option if you want to pick it up. So I think with getting him in the second round, it really takes the pressure off. And it's not, you're not, and listen, was it a reach? Sure, you could argue that it was a reach. That that I'm not going to argue against. But I think that the expectations are, I think the expectations are not nearly as high as what you're making them out to be for him as a player. And I also think that he had the worst quarterback in the Big Ten and worst offensive scheme in the Big Ten and still was the most productive tight end in the league. Yeah, he did. So I I don't have any doubt that he can be really good. But like I said, my argument for it being a bad fit has nothing to do with scheme and performance and everything to do with he's going to be compared to the guy he's replacing who is in division now. on the Vikings and really freaking good. And he's also going to be compared to the rest of these really good tight ends in his draft class. And fans could be saying, because he he could be better than Hawk, but maybe not as good as Mayer. And fans are going to be saying for years, oh, we had our chance. We could have had him. And he went one pick later, like story of our lives as Detroit Lion fans. And he could still be good, but he won't be right? Because he's getting compared to someone who's at a higher level and may or might not turn out, but I'm saying that it's a possibility. So the, the story is there. The possibility is there. Um, Outside of Sam Laporta, I think I'm going to go with a guy who I almost had this as a good fit. And then I took some time to think about it more. And I think it's a really bad fit. Jaden Reed, wide receiver from Michigan state getting drafted to green Bay in the second round. The, the draft capital is there for him and out to have for him to have an opportunity to do something and make his presence known. He has an opportunity to be a starter day one because no more Alan Lazard, no more Randall Cobb. You've got Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, and you can't name a number three. So Reed could be that guy, but the Packers have no idea who their quarterback is going to be, or they may know who it is and it's going to be Jordan Love, and that's not going to be good for anybody. Yeah, I think I, I I agree with you there. Just because, just because of the unknowns of like what the Packers' offense is going to be. Now they have a decent offensive line, not great, but a decent offensive line. They have a great running back in Aaron Jones and a really good running back duo in Aaron Jones and oh, of course I'm going to forget his name. Oh, I'm so mad at myself. Uh, Boston College thick thighs. Yeah. Yeah. Dylan, AJ Dylan. That's it. There we go. So uh I, I just they they do have good weapons on offense. And obviously Christian Watson kind of had a, a slight breakout last year, you could say. He had games where he seemed like he was really, you know, but that was with Aaron Rodgers. So yeah, I I, I wouldn't love that situation like if I was if I was Jalen Reed, 
I'd be like, mm, maybe the next team. But <laughs> yeah, not how it works, pal. So <laughs> this, like, this ain't college. You're not getting recruited anymore. And listen, players make plays. But we have seen multiple different times in the NFL where you are playing on a team that doesn't have a quarterback. And it's like, unless you are elite, elite, elite wide receiver, you're just, uh, you're going to middle. You're going to be so yeah. mid. So I agree with you. I, I, I really do. I do not love the landing spot there. And listen, Jordan Love could go out there and prove us all wrong and be a very average quarterback. But <laughs> He could prove us all wrong and not absolutely suck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, dude, it, listen, as a Lions fan, this is the first time in over 30 years that a person named Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre has not been the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. The first time in my, the first time in my lifetime, the very first snap of next year's season will be the first time in my life. I am a 30 year old man that Aaron Rodgers or I'm so sorry, Brett Favre have not been the starter in Green Bay. That is sickening. And don't tell, be like, oh, well, they were injured and the other people played. You know what I mean. Don't be an idiot. Not and you, some, people listening. And they somehow only managed to get two Super Bowls out of both of their careers. That's which crazy. Is- That's really crazy. If you're ever looking for something to prove that what Tom Brady did was unbelievable, there you go. There you go. Exactly. The Green Bay Packers got two Super Bowls out of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers in 30 years. Wrap your head around that one. Thanks. Um, All right. Anything else you want to talk about draft-wise? I feel like we hit everything. Oh, uh, honorable mention, Jake Moody, Money Moody, kicker (laughs) from Michigan, goes in the top 100, baby. Pick 99 to the San Francisco 49ers. He was a third-rounder. Pretty insane that they decided to draft a kicker in the third round. Like, so Kyle Shanahan, someone asked Kyle Shanahan why they picked him that high. And Kyle Shanahan said, well, it's a real luxury to be able to go in a draft and not need any starters except a kicker. He was Uh, like, kicker was the only starter we needed. So he was like, I'm going to take him. Yep. (laughs) Which is so true. It's so disgusting, but it's so true. I mean, they need a quarterback too. Like Sam Darnold is hot garbage, but he'll look yeah. great in San Francisco. You he can, will look. Everyone looks great in San Francisco. Oh my goodness gracious! Jimmy G made a career off of being in San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like I mean, he is gonna go. He's gonna go to Las Vegas, and boy, that's not gonna be a nightmare to watch. Yeah, it's um, not gonna be great. I, I I would say another pick that I really liked was uh, Oluwatimi from Michigan Center getting drafted in the fifth round to Seattle. I I think I think people were pretty low on this guy. I, I mean, he was the center on the back to back O line of the year award winning offensive line for Michigan. Um, he's a stud, like. He's really, really good. I understand, you know, people's 
concerns with his lateral quickness and things like that for the NFL game. But for them to be able to get him in the fifth round, um, I, I think I'm I'm not kidding when I say he could be their day one starter at center. And they drafted him in the fifth round. I would not be surprised. And maybe, maybe, maybe they could move him to guard. See what he could do at guard. Um, I don't know how that works out size-wise with him. I don't know all of his specs. But I do think that it is a very good possibility that he is day one starter. Man, I see a lot of yeah. these guys that like that went in like the fifth round, like that area. And they're just good players, man. But you know what? Most of them aren't going to work out. That's the crazy thing. It is crazy. That's how hard the NFL is. It is like, crazy that we watch dudes, these guys ball out in college and yeah. then they're late round picks. And I'm convinced that they're going to outplay their draft stock and it just For doesn't sure. happen. Yep. Dude, you guys, Chase Brown from Illinois. Yeah, you all watched him play. We all did, especially when Illinois was just like beating everybody early in the season and everybody was like, what is going on? Uh, he went in the fifth round. I I, I mean. The, Payne Durham, same story. Yeah. Tight end out of Purdue, fifth round pick. Yeah. Ronnie Bell, Michigan's most productive wide receiver over the last probably three years maybe Cornelius Johnson was a little bit more productive but Ronnie Bell was right up there with him seventh round pick yeah but he doesn't have the size or the speed for the NFL he's no I agree he's small guy and if you're going to be as small as Ronnie Bell is to be in the NFL you have to be you have to be cheetah like you have to be you know what I mean like you've got to be well I mean Tyreek Hill is Tyreek Hill like He's faster than any other person, but I'm saying you legitimately have to be like a wizard with route running and speed. Ronnie Bell is neither one of those things. So no, no, but yeah, these guys producing college and you got to understand the NFL is 1% of the top 1%. Like it is the, to the nth degree, you have to be at the pinnacle of yep. football in order yep. to uh, in order to make it. So a lot of things got to oh, go your way. There was there was one person we did not talk about that I really wanted to bring up. I'm so sorry. Um and, oh, and I it. just want to get I am I want to get your thoughts on it and then I will give mine. Um Aiden O'Connell, uh quarterback from Purdue, goes in the 4th round to the Raiders who Jimmy G is their starter. Um, we just kind of had a little snippet conversation about that, but your thoughts on that and him getting picked in the fourth round, a lot of people were predicting him to go later than that. So I just want to hear, hear what you think. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I, I don't see Aiden O'Connell having an NFL career, even as a lifetime backup. I just saw too many times in this last season where the ball was put in harm's way in college against college defensive backs against college throwing windows. And the ball was put in dangerous spots. He for, for right reasons over targeted Charlie Jones, but still, you know, locked eyes on Charlie Jones and sent the ball there regardless. 
to me, I didn't see anything elite about Aiden O'Connell that makes me believe that he's going to have any kind of NFL career. So do I think going and sitting behind Jimmy G is probably the best thing for him? Probably. But honestly, I hate to say it, but I, I don't see him lasting in the league more. I, I don't see him getting any kind of second contract after his rookie deal. Okay. I I think there is a 30% chance he doesn't make the team out of uh, out of out of mini camp out of summer you know like uh, out of fall camp I think there is a 30% chance he doesn't make the team. I think there is a 15% chance. Okay? 15% chance that he is the starting quarterback for the Las Vegas Raiders by the end of the season. I'm not kidding. I, I, I really do. I think Jimmy Garoppolo, like he gets injured, something like that, like whatever. I think there is, which I guess is to say, I think there's a 25% chance that he earns the backup role behind Jimmy G, which is why they drafted him in the fourth round. They drafted him because that's what they want. They want him to win that job. 100%. They drafted him and they were like, we don't have a starter, let alone a backup. So <clears throat> we're going to draft Aiden O'Connell in the fourth round and hope that he is that solution. He's somebody who's super interesting to me because everything, like when he's clicking, everything's there. Everything is everything is going right. His offensive line was terrible. They're, I mean, they're horrible. Um, he had no run game at Purdue. So I, I think that behind a good O line and keeping him in rhythm, which, you know, NFL rhythm league, passing league. I do think that there is a possibility for success. I I don't want to get too deep into it. I just, I thought it was interesting that he went in the fourth round and I thought it was really interesting that he went to the Raiders. That was what was like the huge, like, Oh, I expected him. I expected him easily to be a day three pick. There's no way I thought he was going to go before the fifth round. No, me either. I thought he was going. I thought he was going fifth round at the earliest, seventh round at the latest. I did too. So I just don't feel like I saw any elite traits in college, and I don't feel like he elevated Purdue's performance at above the sum of the parts. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. But I think there's not much of a better spot that he could have ended up at. Um, that was the that was the biggest thing to me. I mean, I guess he could have gone to a team like Atlanta, but Atlanta's O-line is so bad. Not to say the Raiders' O-line is great, but Raiders have a great running back in Josh Jacobs. They do have a decent offensive line. Um, and then they have, you know, they have weapons at wide receivers. So I, I, I just... You know, I think it's a situation where let him get so many reps in the preseason. Let that kid throw the ball all over the place in the preseason to see what you have. I don't know. It it was it was like the one thing that when I was going over like the draft, like the Big Ten players who got drafted, it was the one thing that I was like, man, they took him in the fourth round. Like you expect you expect some production out of a fourth round player. Like, 
So I, I don't know. I, I think that there, I think there's something to be said about where he went. That the Raiders, the Raiders fully like they are wanting him to win that backup job. I agree. I agree. The draft capital, that's what the draft capital tells you about what it tells they you. Think. Yeah. That's what's so what great think. about the draft. That is what is so great about the draft. It's like you can see a guy like Hendon Hooker for the Lions, right? Get drafted in the third round, and you're like, oh, okay. Exactly. Right. I mean, and really, we both like, know I mean, that. And we both know that Corey is ecstatic about Aiden O'Connell being a Raider. Oh, yo, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> Just end the show. Just end the show. <laughs> yeah, I think we've exhausted the draft. So uh, uh, thank you for listening. If you stuck with us this far, uh, follow us on the gram at Big Show Pod. Like, Guys, we put and- out – okay, when I say we, Alex puts out banger reels. On on Instagram. Oh, thanks, so, buddy. You gotta check us out. We just we just had another one that like blew up that he posted. If you guys aren't following us on there, like we he he has a few that have like I, one of them has how many how many views does the one have from last season? Like a uh, hundred thousand or something, like over a hundred thousand. Just had Michigan Sorry. commit Ben Roebuck like a couple of reels. So, yeah. Yep, that was a that was a highlight for me. But yeah, follow <laughs> us on the gram at Big Show Pod and uh, like, subscribe wherever you listen to us. And man, I can't wait for football season. But we'll keep coming out with stuff in the meantime. It, we might take a week off until the next episode. Uh, wait for some more storylines to come in. But you'll hear from us soon. So uh, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you. Peace. Peace. <laughs>